<laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eastern Conference Confidential Episode 5, part of the Beautiful Game Network of Podcasts. We have a special treat, um, peeling back the curtain a little bit. Ryan made all the notes, so he gets to host. <laughs> Ryan, take it away. It's all you. So yeah, it's pretty exciting. And we'll be talking about the recent transfer news for the Eastern Conference, a lot more of the new division in sanctioning. St. Louis gets to rejoin our realm of discussion as they move back to the East, and a bit of preseason play from a team in Florida. So guys... How do you feel about the new announcement for DT status? Ryan, I'm going to backtrack here. Um, constructive criticism. Um, as much as I'm sure everyone would like to not know who we are, um, I'm really conceited, and I need to know who everybody <laughs> is, because I've forgotten you guys, because it's been like a month since we've done a podcast. Um, we so, three days ago? Uh, sh- 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 the, uh, the editor... Uh, had a problem with his own audio so no we didn't um so so ryan that being said we all know who you are but uh who are you doing the podcast with today i'm doing the podcast with brendan doherty and evan how are you yeah i'm uh, i'm great i he didn't even try for the last name and i i i respect it i respect it oh i'm great how are you guys I'm um, still chilly. It's still winter. <laughs> it's still very much winter in upstate New York. Yeah, it's become rain and clouds here in North Carolina. That sounds awful. Yeah. So, moving on into discussion matter, the United States Soccer Federation announced the announcement of D2 status, how does everyone think that will impact the league and potential Open Cup play? Oh, man. Oh, I forgot about the Open Cup. Mostly because the team that I, I write about and talk about and, you know, see every week <laughs> can't participate. So it, it goes in the back burner. Um, do they all have to participate now? Is that a thing? No, it'll I don't just believe be in, in previous years, USL teams came in around before NESL teams. Oh. Right, so everyone comes in at the same time now? Yeah, either you pick you know, at random eight teams to, to come in when PDL teams come in, or you, I don't know, change the number of, of teams in each round so that it makes sense mm. all of the all of both second division league's teams come in at the same time. Yeah, so it uh, still won't affect me, but I, I'll let you guys, uh, you guys can hash it out if you want. I mean, it, it's always a fun tournament. There's always a bunch of surprises. I think FC Cincinnati really starts to make a dent in these MLS teams um, starting next year. But, again, you know, Bethlehem doesn't play, so, like, for the purpose of this podcast, it doesn't really matter for me. But uh, but have, have at it. Yeah. Um, in terms of the original question, I think there weren't really that many surprises in the sanctioning um, you know, it was the same tune coming out of the league the entire, you know, year and a half that they were gearing up for this decision. Um, you know, I might have gotten nervous, but it didn't, it didn't show that anybody in the league office was getting nervous. Uh, you know, regardless of what was going on with NESL and teams going, you know, deciding to move from NESL to USL, you know, USL kind of stayed true to the message, said that it was the strongest uh, application bid for Division Two sanctioning in history, which can't think there have been that many but um you know even even you know the weeks dragged on from when whenever the original decision was supposed to come down um there wasn't any news there wasn't an announcement but uh yeah i think there was much more nerves on on random american soccer twitter than there was in the league office in tampa Yeah, I have to agree with you that on Brendan. The USL has been probably one of the fastest growing leagues on the planet and a lot more stronger than its counterpart of the NASL, who is now only predominantly in the East Coast with FC Edmonton and San Francisco populating the Western portion of North America. Uh, the USL definitely seemed like it was the stronger of the two leagues, and overall this is probably the best decision for longevity of both leagues. Yeah, um, it, it took them a long time, but uh, as we've seen throughout the last year, probably, of um, 
Jake Edwards being in charge of USL. The guy has um, confidence, to put it nicely. Uh, some people might <laughs> might say he's a little bit cocky with with what he has, but you know, coming into a, a sanctioning meeting with that kind of a uh, a resume, so to speak, you can you can probably afford to be a little bit. Uh, ham-fisted and he was and it almost looked like it wasn't going to play out at least i think the three of us thought that but here we are and usl has division two and they get a bunch more games on espn networks and then there's more exposure and there's more momentum than they've ever had before so uh in terms of of how the um talks went for usl I, i think you know uh, if you look at it independent of everybody else, you couldn't have asked for anything more if you're in that front office. Um, mm-hmm. Would you have liked to make it maybe just so that, you know, uh, MLS is one, you're two, NASL is three, you're not around? Uh, secretly, you know, in some in some closed-door meetings probably, but, but that's not going to be a thing. And, um, you know, realistically, I don't think the NAS- NASL is going to bother the USL Um just because their league structures are so different with USL basically acting as a um, weird, you know, like minor league type thing for MLS clubs and then having some really strong independence. But we'll have to see how that shakes out in the next, you know, year or two. Yeah, in terms of of restructuring, um, you know, the American soccer landscape, there has been, I guess, one person um, criticizing USL for not being cutthroat enough of not waiving the expansion fee for one or two more NESL teams to hop over um, in, in, in a way that would effectively kill the NESL. And then um, I, I don't think that would have been in the best interest of American soccer because then you have a team like Edmonton, that's not America, but soccer, but you know mm. other teams mm. that wouldn't necessarily come over to USL that USL wouldn't necessarily want. What happens to those players? Mm. What happens to those staffs? Um, mm. You know, If USL, because NESL teams would have had to pay that wild exit fee of several figures, several you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars or whatever it was, maybe millions. Um, you know, if USL had waived what's now a reported $5 million expansion fee and let those NESL teams come in on the cheap, they could have probably sealed NESL's fate. But then how do you justify that to your investors that just paid $5 million that you're going to turn around and let somebody in for less than that? Um, so I think, think i don't i don't think nesl made a mistake by not being cutthroat enough um mm. but that's also coming from a position of of privilege on the um, from the usl perspective that now they mm-hmm. can afford to be magnanimous and they can afford to be nice to everybody because they're in in the advantageous position yeah i agree with you that on Brendan, it seems like the NSL has at least a chance to try and get their house in order to grow and at least establish a method of survival for the upcoming years to come. Moving on then, so we have a few transfer news over the past couple weeks. FC Cincinnati's been making a lot of movements, especially by (laughs) signing players from across the Ohio River in their rivals of Kentucky. Guys, any thoughts? Uh, That is the best news that I heard that week. So, (laughs) first Kadeem Dakers and then Aiden Quinn went from (laughs) Louisville. (laughs) You, uh, Brennan, I I really wish you would, um, let people know more about your dislike for Louisville City. Um, I, so that's I, the thing. I don't, at, I don't at, really dislike the club. I just dislike their fans. So I, I really think you hold back too often. It's not good for your health. <laughs> um, I'm sure it's affecting people that love you. Um, anyway, uh, listen. So I, I've I've been getting a decent amount of attention for my uh, outlandish Don Garber comparisons in recent weeks. Uh, <laughs> Which, which led me to do some, some Google searching because I'd like to give full credit to Carl H. Linder III for organizing the Purple Wedding and taking all of the best players from Louisville City and uh, casting any doubt that I had about what they would do after Sean Acoli went and joined New York City Football Club by signing the captain and like the leading goal scorer of their biggest rival, essentially killing them in front of their family and friends. Um, 
<laughs> that being said, uh, FC Cincinnati is going to be ridiculous again. Um, there's only like three clubs or four clubs that I think are going to stand in their way from the Eastern Conference this year. It's weird because all four of those clubs are probably going to end up having – well, two of those clubs would realistically end up having to face them in the playoffs. But I'm thinking way too far ahead now. Um, yeah, no, FC Cincinnati is, is frightening. I'm terrified of them, and I hope that they don't run the table because that would be kind of boring again. Yeah, and it, it wasn't just those two players from Louisville. They signed um, Matt, I want to say Bonner, who used to play for mm-hmm. Harrisburg, was USL Defender of the Year, was on the yep. best 11 or something, yep. Yep. Um, and then went and played two seasons with Jacksonville, and then also Daryl Fordyce, who is... Um, uh, a, a regular goal scorer for Edmonton for yeah. the past, I think, four seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, so Cincinnati is doing something that you don't see that many USL clubs do, which is bringing in players with, you know, three, four years of good professional experience. A lot of USL teams have to go get players who, you know, just came out of PDL or, you know, have been free agents for a while. But Cincinnati has the money, and they did it last year kind of because they had to build a roster from scratch, but they're continuing that trend of buying players with several years of experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, Riverhounds signed Trey Mitchell, uh, who's a new guy for them, one-year deal with a club option, which uh, they're they're throwing the club options around out in Pittsburgh. Uh, I know when they signed Taylor Washington earlier this year, it was the same kind of thing. Um, and then uh, as well as Trey Mitchell, who's a goalie out of California, by the way, was in the MLS pool for a little bit. They also re-signed um, Okai for uh, a year, I believe. Yeah. Uh, pending league and federation approval. Um, good pickups for them. They're going to be a tricky team to play. I don't think they're going to be kind of the uh, uh, the pushovers. Sorry, I shouldn't say that about the team that has fans that are the guys that put this podcast up on the internet for us but um yeah <laughs> i love you uh but yeah i mean they're they're gonna be an interesting team i think they haven't made any like huge splashy moves but they've made smart moves um and in, in usl sometimes that's all it takes um for you to go from you know bottom you know 13 14 to that that top eight or whatever that'll get you close to the playoffs yeah just um a thing about Pittsburgh, they have a pretty positive relationship with a uh, player agency firm that is based in the Caribbean, um, but also has a relationship with uh, a lower division team in Mexico. Mm. Um, so this agency cycles guys in from you know, the Caribbean through this team in Mexico, um, and the agency is how you know you can when you get these young Caribbean players, young Central American players. Um, they could be really hungry, really ambitious. Uh, what happened for Pittsburgh last year is they got a guy who kind of lost his mind in the middle of a game being so competitive. I wanted to say mm-hmm. hungry for, for, for back meat off of Canadian <laughs> defenders, or right. what are you? Yeah, like Canadian yeah. bacon. But, um, mm. <laughs> so, yeah, the agency Pan American Kelsio, um, they've hooked Pittsburgh up with, I think, three players this offseason. Um, so that's the type of players you can expect to have um, you know, roaming the field for Pittsburgh, youngish, professionals, hungry players who have some professional experience playing down in Central America and Mexico. Um, mm. So that might change the outcome for Pittsburgh, who's had a pretty abysmal couple seasons, but mm. hopefully. Another transfer... News, the Tampa Bay Rowdies signed a center back, Damian Lowe, who played for Minnesota United last year. And it's actually a Jamaican international who did his um, debut in the Caribbean Cup. I know, Brennan, that the Caribbean is definitely your region. Any thoughts on this signing? Um, yeah, I think this is it's a really good level for I mean, any young professional from CONCACAF, especially the, the Caribbean, um, you know, Lowe didn't hit it off at the MLS level. He was signed by Seattle, um, and he struggled a little bit um, with Minnesota, but that hopefully was just down to you know, not being fully fit um, and being, being off in match sharpness. Um, but, you know, uh, they're assembling a really good squad down there in, in Tampa. Um, you know, it's, it's the other team that really has the money to, to throw around. Um, so... The chances that Lowe gets exposed um, with pace and a back four, uh, it's 
less likely in a team that's that's built uh, with with better players. Um, I got I got two others here that might have slipped through the cracks. Uh, one just because it happened the day after Christmas, um, and the other one uh, we do not talk about the Charlotte Independence enough. So I will start with them. Um, Jorge Herrera coming back for next year. Um, 40 goals, 25 assists in USL, uh, which is massive numbers. Um, the guy's been with in uh, USL for, for 11 years now, so if you want to ever talk to a guy about the ups and downs of a league in America, that might be the guy to talk to about. Um, good signing for, for them. Um, having a guy with that much experience is never a bad thing, especially at this level, you know, a guy that knows the travel. And, um, and can kind of help the younger guys that are going to be in that team, no doubt, uh, kind of uh, develop. And then the other one, um, a, a bit of a surprising one here, uh, especially I think for some Red Bull fans who have just gone through another grieving process and losing Dax McCarty to the Chicago Fire. Oh my gosh. Um, which, that was all you needed to hear about that. Uh, uh, Devin or Speedy Williams uh, going to Louisville City who are no doubt looking to replace Kadeem Dakers with uh, with him, I would think. That's about a one-for-one switch. But uh, <laughs> he didn't get called speedy because he's slow, guys. He's a good player. <laughs> yeah, um, I think the problem that New York is having now is a problem that L.A. has had the past couple of seasons where there's just so much talent. There's so many players who all have similar um, ceilings, all have similar talent levels. They're all hungry. Everybody wants to play every game. Um, and unfortunately, sometimes it's just a, a game of musical chairs. Um, but uh, Speedy Williams getting the chance to, to, to branch out and get a new club, especially one that's going to, to need some offensive firepower moving mm. the ball forward. Um, yeah. That'll be a, a good opportunity for him. Onwards now, as we have reached the middle of January, a few teams have already started their preseason schedule, such as the back to the Tampa Bay Rowdies, because we haven't talked about them enough on this show. They've been doing. No, why would we? (laughs) Hey, did you hear they're playing in USL next year? They're going to be in our league in like two months. It's going to be great. Yeah, moving over. Really fun. Mm. They've been a part of the Florida Cup, which I've been watching a lot on Fox Soccer Plus. Hey, passes here. They've been. I mean. (laughs) <laughs> they've invited a lot of clubs such as like Bayern Leverkusen, Wolfsburg a lot of Brazilian and Argentina sides like Sao Paulo, Corinthians and Barcelona SC from Ecuador not, hey. the one, not the famous one from across it's, it's really good that they've been getting a lot of experience especially now that they've announced the Suncoast in- Invitational with five different MLS clubs including Evan Euron, Philadelphia Union the only one you care about Home of home of U.S. internationals, Alejandro Bedoya Key and Rosemary and Chris Bonias, by the way. <laughs> so I'm just one thing to talk about this is how important are these preseason matches and tournaments, especially, I mean, the Rowdies finished, I think they believe finished bottom of the Florida Cup. Just how important is the experience and exposure for these games? Yeah, so it's it's not about where Tampa Bay finishes in those tournaments at all. Um, really what you're going to look at the takeaway here, a USL team, and this is, I'm going to do a little, I'm going to play, I'm going to role play marketing for USL. A USL team was able to grab Wolfsburg, uh, one of the, uh, which is a, a big club out in Germany um, until Volkswagen collapsed. Um, you said uh, Mineral is Sao Paulo, right? It's a, like one of the bigger Brazilian clubs. Sao Paulo, um, River Plate. Yep, River Plate, which is one of the biggest clubs in Argentina, one of the two. Uh, just, you know, th- there was a USL club that was able to say, we're doing a tournament in January. There's no international break right now, I don't think. Maybe for those teams um, South in, in South fans, America, yes. but not in not Wolfsburg. Uh, they were able to grab these European teams and these South American teams, say, we're having a tournament come for a week or whatever it was, not even. And they did. You know, USL is attracting these big teams from Europe and South America. Um, and, and for USL, that's got to be a huge win um, as a league. For the players, 
you know, you get to play against guys that you have otherwise probably you get to no play business. Against the guys that you play as on FIFA. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, the guy that you're like, you know, I'm going to put in my name and I'm going to play for Wolfsburg. And now you get to play the guys. Um, and then from a perspective of the other clubs, not only do they go, hey, this USL might be something to look into, they get a free trip to Disneyland. <laughs> so, like, what's not to like? You play a little footy, you, you win every game, about, and then you, you go to Disneyland and you chill out with Mickey Mouse and you get to be in a parade. Like, awesome, great, do it. Yeah, um, I think for the players, it can be really good if you start your preseason in January. Um, you know, up in Rochester, I know they, they start the preseason in February indoors, um, towards the end of February. But it always seems like, you know, they don't really get started until, you know, the season's already started somewhere else. Um, by taking advantage of the weather and taking advantage of their location, because teams are, are going to want to go <laughs> where it's sunny anyway, Um you know, Tampa Bay Rowdies can get their returning players, uh, you know, rekindle that chemistry. Um, and they're cycling through a lot of trialists. Um, and these aren't, you know, bums off the street. These are invited. They're uh, recommended through their agents or, or other contacts. Um, so these are guys getting a chance to show what they can do early and then still have time to make it to a couple of their preseason camps if they need to. Um, so it works out for those players really well. It works out for the returning Rowdies players. Um, but, you know, a lot of these guys, if they're playing games that are going to be marketed in January, they have to be paid for that, which means that it's a big commitment on the part of Tampa Bay Rowdies ownership, which uh, honestly doesn't look like he has any problems spending his own money. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a level of commitment from teams, mm. but also taking advantage of their warm weather because um, I don't think anybody would want to come to Rochester to play some, some preseason games right now. Um, but uh, I mean, maybe maybe someone would play like the Americans in a hockey rink. But, yeah, <laughs> but, uh, yeah I think it, it's, it's really good even for the league to have this as a showcase for, for our, all of the reasons mentioned before. And kind of back to what you were saying with the warm weather, I mean, Charleston has their own Carolina Challenge Cup, which they've mm-hmm. invited MLS sides, Columbus Crew of the Eastern Conference, newbies, and their own MLS affiliation of Atlanta United, who's just spending and spending like Tampa Bay and playoffs are bust, baby. And Seattle, the MLS Cup chance, which I think is just brilliant exposure for the battery who's been holding this tournament for a while now. And just to have all these teams come down, it shows that the USL is a force to be reckoned with and not just a league to beat up on in the Open Cup. Well, uh, and so, you know, we, we didn't mention the second tournament the Rowdies are holding because it's a little bit more um, familiar. Because really, they're just doing what the Armada have been doing the last two or three years now, which, you know invite down a bunch of Eastern Conference MLS clubs who are probably affiliated with a couple of the clubs that are around that area and, you know, play preseason. Um, it, it's such a smart thing for these these Southeastern USL teams to say, hey, you know, we have space, we have time, there's trialists coming in, why not, you know, invite some, some MLS clubs down? And if it turns into one of these things where the Rowdies have a bunch of the Eastern Conference teams and Charleston ends up with a bunch of the Western Conference teams and, like, Atlanta, because that's who they're they're linked with, great. Um, and and on the subject of the trialist, how nerve-wracking would it be to put yourself in that position where you go, all right, cool, like, I'm going to, you know, I'm on a weekend, like, a, you know, I have a week trial with the Tampa Bay Rowdies or, like, a two-week trial. And then you get down there and they go, great, um... <laughs> Yeah, so uh, Wolfsburg's coming in this Tuesday. Uh, you're going to play, so, you know, show us what you got. Um, but, yeah, no, one of those things where it's it's really nice to see preseason soccer being played in a, in a quasi-meaningful way um, so people can kind of form opinions about who they like and who they don't like uh, in January as opposed to, you know, March uh, 4 when the season starts. And um, out in in arizona fc tucson a pdl side has been hosting i think they call it the desert diamond cup um with three mls teams and you know whoever you know usl teams sometimes send scouts to those because all three mls teams are going to have trialists in their training camp and if someone you know 
isn't good enough for MLS, there's still a good chance that they can make an impact at the USL mm-hmm. level. That's kind of what USL is there for. So, um, you know, even these tournaments where there's one or is no USL teams, it's still a good chance for USL teams to see, you know, young guys that are, you know, not quite up to snuff at the MLS level yet. Yeah, it's always good when at least any team that if they're not cut out for MLS, they're more than welcome down in the USL. I mean, they have potential to be big stars. I mean, you look at Dan Kelly of the Battery, who moved up to Sporting KC, and, and Brendan Euro and Christian Valeski, who signed with KC. I know that still really stings for you. Guys, but it took us 25 minutes, but we got there. <laughs> I know it still really stings for you, but it's just kind of really good for the league to showcase these players are really good and they have potential to play at the next level. Um, yeah, the Vale the Valeski transfer. Um, Listen, you'll have to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's going to be hard to replace. Um, you know, he had a tireless work rate, but his creativity in front of goal was you know something you don't see every day at, at USL. Um, the guy is through on in goal, just him and a keeper. You know, you odds on the guy's going to take the safe bet, try to dribble around the keeper. Uh, now, Valeski always went for the chip to the corner. Um, he scored, I think, three or four of them um, across the the Open Cup and USL in the past two seasons. So that kind of inventiveness um, is going to be hard to replace. But we say this every year. If there's any coach who can replace USL's you know, all-star talent, it's it's Bob Lilly. It's John Harks. Um, oh. <laughs> oh. Great. So, uh, uh, <laughs> Bob Lowe, sorry. Yeah, yeah and then um, somebody that was pretty important for uh, MLSC making a playoff run, uh, Mike Azira, who for uh, played for Colorado before that. He played for Seattle, who um, signed him from Charleston. So Mike Azira was uh, you know an outstanding USL midfielder. Didn't quite fit in Seattle, but made a, a deep impact um, in the playoff run. Uh, and... Yeah, Dane Kelly, uh, he was USL leading goal scorer for Charleston and got signed um, by Swope Park for their first year, and then he got signed by Reno for their first year. Um, so Nashville I guess it's, it's fun to see uh, players get a tag as a specialist. Now every every startup team every year is going to sign Dane Kelly. Um, but... He remains, I think, the uh, USL all-time leading goal scorer, it's probably because of the, the number of seasons he's played. But um, I mean, those numbers don't lie. Yeah. Evan with Bethlehem, they just signed Hugh Roberts from Ooh. Richmond, and I know you're pretty. Oh my God! Psyched about oh, that. <laughs> guys, guys, let me. So Mickey Daly's back in USL. Uh, he's on the wrong side of the of the conference, so I won't have to talk about him. Um, but when when he left for the now North Carolina FC, and then when Ryan Ricker left for the now, oh wait no they're still around New York Cosmos, <laughs> um, Ryan I'm sorry, um, there was there was this huge gap missing from Bethlehem and it was goal scoring. But if there was another gap missing from Bethlehem, it was defense. It was just <laughs> the the platooning of the of the side and like Austin Trusty was great, but he was you know 17 years old. He yeah. might have turned 18 well, somewhere in there. Also keep in mind that USL quality players were starting for Philadelphia in the defense. So it's a guy who probably should have been at Bethlehem. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, Ken Tribbett, who yeah. was with the Union, could have went right back down to Bethlehem and been fine. Um, he got made. He got made to look real goofy. I think that game against Toronto. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, but uh, no, they they needed someone to shore up a back line, uh, preferably younger, preferably a guy who could who could make his way up to MLS, um, and not kind of in like a last last ditch effort to like you know have a five minutes of fame thing in his career. And they definitely see that in uh, in Hugh, uh, USL Defender of the Year, one of them with the, uh, which is which is impressive because you know it was all these Red Bull guys, and then and Hugh Roberts is there. He kind of slipped through the cracks. Um, in other Bethlehem news, we signed uh, Union Academy project or prospect, I suppose, Matt Rial, 
<clears throat> to a a Bethlehem contract who he looks like he's 30. He's not. He's 19. Um, <laughs> he played as an academy player for Bethlehem a couple times last year. I want to say like two or three games, not a whole lot of appearances. Um, but it's one of those guys, you know, Taylor Washington's gone. That opens up a slot. Matt Real comes in, and that's, you know, about as academic as it can get. Um, he's going to be fun. Um, I'll put him down for a couple goals, but if nothing else, it's going to be really fun. You know, your back line for Bethlehem. Um, Looks like it's going to be uh, Real, Roberts, Trusty, and uh, either the other Jones, whose first name I'm forgetting, but it's it's uh, Clemson Jones, who they just drafted, or um, Mark McKenzie, I think if they see him as a wideback, might wind up there. He's another academy kid. But uh, Bethlehem addressing a couple needs they have, and then Corey Burke, the Jamaican international, managed to score like five goals in qualifying. So if they can get that Corey Burke, this might be a, a sneaky like five or six seed in the Eastern Conference. I'm biased, but you know, <laughs> that's how I see it. That's how I see it. They'll score the most steps. points out of every USL team in Pennsylvania this year. There you go. <laughs> Yeah, I think they will be the best team out of Pennsylvania. There's, for people that aren't aren't inundated, the Pittsburgh Riverhounds are out of, out of Pennsylvania, and then Harrisburg City Islanders FC City are also out of Pennsylvania. So there's three teams. I'm not doing like a one-for-one one thing here. It's not. I'm not being um, – that's not a joke. They actually might finish with the most points in Pennsylvania. It's like the Cascadia Cup, but like closer together, but maybe not really. <laughs> anyway, uh, Ryan, who did the Wilmington Hammerhead sign this – oh, wait – no, wait, no, no, because they're still playing. Who did they sign? Did they sign anybody? They're the PDL. Uh, How does that the work? The PDL season, and I guess we'll just have to wait and see on anything. Yeah. Um, the college game has ended. I mean, the season yeah, won't yeah. start until May, and then we'll get right. 14 matches against what if? other regional opponents. They'll do it. Man, I... <laughs> Eventually. So, like, I make all... People must think that I hate you, like, like outside <laughs> of this podcast. Because, like, every, every week I'm like, ah, oh, Wilmington. But, like, you know, like, that's got to suck. I haven't lost the team before. Mine just didn't exist until 2010. Um, so, like, yeah, no, I, I really hope, that, listen, uh, that either North Carolina FC figures out a way to make people like them or something. I don't know. Um, anyway, I'll, I'll stop rambling. Ryan, you want to take us forward here? Yeah, I just wanted to go quickly back to Hugh Roberts with a cool stat that he actually led the league in minutes playing every single minute of the regular season. Yeah. Only him and Charlie Ward recorded as many minutes in that time. So as I a just center like, back. Yeah, I just feel you'll get a lot of consistent play out of Roberts. Yeah. While we're talking about fun facts about people that are signed to contracts, that my, that's, that's the team that I, I read about. As a senior in college, he had nine goals. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how. I don't know if it's like a Ryan Richter thing where he scores on spot kicks or whatever, but, you know, nine goals, center back, and, like, five assists. Like, something stupid amount of points. I don't think it's going to happen because um, I feel like he would have done that for Richmond at some point, and, like, Ben Bromley would have been like, ah, he's the greatest. Or, like, you know, DC would have called him up. But, uh, yeah, no, it, it, he'll be fun to watch. This will be a it, – it may not be a bad – sorry, it may not be a good Bethlehem Steel, but it will be a fun-to-watch Bethlehem Steel. <laughs> taking the place of FC Montreal in being the, they might not be good, but, like, look, they're really fun. Yeah, I mean, FC Montreal was arguably one of the best second-half teams in the USL in recent history. Well, I so, mean, on the field. Well, yeah, they had a really bad second half don't win a game field. until July. It doesn't matter how good <laughs> the second half of your season is. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I mean, over their two-year history, FC Montreal didn't, when in March or April. Yep, that's wow, that's real. I was making mine up, <laughs> but yeah, I believe yours. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, Ryan, what, what else do we have? I guess on other news, uh, I actually saw this due to American Athletic Conference college football, but Nippert Stadium is I'm sorry? widening their pitch Whoa. for the upcoming season. And how do you think that should play into FC Cincinnati's pl just overall play style? How significant is the change? Uh, from Cincinnati's Twitter feed, they didn't say what it was, just oh. that they're changing, and it, it just showed that it'd be on schedule for the 2017 season. I did notice mm -hmm. that not 
most of their preseason schedule is either playing at IMG in Florida or their one friend or one of their friendlies out in Sacramento again in Bonnie Field. Um, having seen Cincinnati play twice, once uh, in Rochester, which is a questionable field, and then once in, in Nippert Stadium, um, it didn't seem like Cincinnati had wide players that stuck wide. They had wide guys who cut inside a lot, and they got their width from fullbacks. If the field's wider, you know that might be why you go after somebody like Kitty and Bakers, who can cut in but also can live in the corner and occupy the channel. Because um, pushing your fullbacks that far up the field when they're not as quick as Danny Rose or Kyle Walker could be a problem. Um, so I see more... Uh, I mean, that that's exactly why you would go after a player like Kitty and Bakers, to, to live in that channel. Evan, your thoughts? I'm not going to make a comparison to Tottenham, if that's what we're looking for. Um, <laughs> so, all right, here's the thing. Carl H. Linden III is the guy who owns everything in risk but doesn't want to win. Um, he will make the pitch next year the entire state of Ohio. And it like won't really matter because like, FC Cincinnati is just going to buy everybody that's good and win like everything, and then they're going to be like, USL Cups again, and they're going to look like early thousands DC United. Um, but like with 30 teams instead of eight or whatever. Uh, no, yeah, so like we don't know what the specifics are with the, with the width. Um, it's nice that it's going to be done right before or like, you know, during the regular season so that they don't have to play in like another weird field. Or anything, and I'm sure it'll look nice. Um, I hope their camera angle gets better. Um, maybe that's why they're widening the field, so they can get an on-field camera, and I won't complain as much. Anyway, um, yeah, no, uh, they're a good team regardless, and I think Brendan's right on with maybe the part of the reason why they signed uh, Kadeem Dakers or Decray, if you're less inclined to pronounce his name right, um, <laughs> is so that they can have a guy who actually goes wide. Because if you you know you stretch out the field with, I don't think a lot of USL teams play on like wide pitches. Uh, not a whole lot of MLS teams do. Um, New York, but yeah, no, uh, yeah, who? Um, but yeah, no, I, I think I mean it's a good move. It's nice that they're going to have it done. Other than that, I mean we're going to have to wait and see how it plays. It'll be cut nice, I guess. <laughs> it's one of the better fields in the league. I don't. I don't know. But like besides that, uh, I don't think I have a whole lot to to talk about here. Yeah, I get. This. I mean, and if they don't fix the camera angle, they'll continue to hold the record for probably the highest camera in the league. Yeah, just I, off of college football <laughs> angles. I'm convinced it's a it's a drone, and someone just kind of like they're like, "Hey, you can't fly that," so they parked it on top of the press box, and that's where it kind of hangs out. That's how high it is. Um, if FC Cincinnati's camera angle is better this year, I will direct all of my ire and hatred towards uh, Richmond because I don't want to see your press box in the shot when there's a corner on the uh, left side of the stadium, near side. Thank you. Great. Appreciate it. Anyway, Ryan, what else we got? So I've kind of left off all my notes just to have the this period be a bit open-ended if you guys want to bring up any thing. Yeah, I got one. <laughs> Go for it. Brandon? So um, Evan, I mentioned the, the prospect that Cincinnati, regardless of what happens to their pitch, regardless of what happens to, to other teams, they're just going to buy basically the USL best 11 every season. Yeah. Um, Except that, for Hugh Roberts. <laughs> that That... <laughs> hasn't necessarily paid dividends in the past when Orlando, I think this was the year they were on their victory lap tour in USL. They stormed the regular season, but then they just kind of whimpered out of the playoffs um, going up against a a physical Harrisburg side. Um, And Harrisburg on the road kind of just beat up Orlando and Orlando gave up in the playoffs. Um, So it's kind of what Cincinnati did this year, they were really impressive during the regular season and then just couldn't get it together. I mean, credit to Charleston for playing a really good game, but uh, Cincinnati definitely disappointed in the playoffs this year. Um, so I'm not, I'm not so sure that you know, big spending is going to work in USL, especially if you look at uh, when Rochester won 2015. 
Mm. Um, you know, they were paying people pennies and crumbs. So, um, you know, we've not necessarily seen that, that strategy work from the front office and we have some evidence to the contrary. So regular season titles for Cincinnati, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, so like, it's, it's funny because everyone always complains, oh, you know, um, they're buying a league, they're buying a league, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I think a lot of times in, in every sport you see it, uh, especially like, you know, this year recently I was going through when you were, when you were talking about teams that, that absolutely crush the regular season and kind of flame out, um, in, in American football, the Dallas Cowboys did the same thing this year where it was, you know, 13 and three or whatever. And then they, they lose to, and not that they played a bad game. It was Aaron Rodgers destroying the world, but, um, you know, it's one of those things. FC Cincinnati can win every regular season title they want. They can win every regular season title until the sun explodes or they make MLS or whatever. But if they can't produce in the playoffs, like what's the, what's the point? You know, because like we're not going to get promotion and relegation in United States soccer. So like, what do you, what does it matter if you can't put together a really good playoff run? I, I'm not saying that FC Cincinnati won't figure it out. They won't do it. Like John Harks is their is their damn head coach. He's really good. He'll figure it out. Um, but you know, for right now, it's one of those things where yeah, it's ridiculous. They're buying all these amazing players. If they don't click on the field, it's not going to be worth a damn. Um. And even if you look at a lot of their games last year, they weren't these, like, blowouts across the board. Sure, like, there was, you know, games where they'd put, you know, five on people or three or, like, absolutely crush possession. But it, it wasn't week in, week out. They're dominating, you know, these teams by three goals every week. Um, and, you know, like Charleston did, if someone figures them out in the playoffs, it's a one-game thing. They're done. That's it. Yeah, it's important getting hot towards the – end of the streak I mean unless the unless they can produce in those final couple games of the playoffs it everything that you've built up in those previous 30 games can be just quickly shattered in just one match yeah. that's where the that's where the similarities between USL and MLS are, are um, non-ignorable I guess because <laughs> you know you look at a in, in MLS land a team like the Portland Timbers when they won the the cup they were really bad. <laughs> the beginning of the season. They were like, gar- like Caleb Porter wants to be fired every year. Like, I, I feel like he wants to be fired every year. And then he just figures out a way to like win a couple games and they make the playoffs and everyone's like, no, 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 it's all right. It's fine. He can stay. And then the one year he just got a little greedy and like won the MLS cup. And they're like, Ooh, Caleb Porter forever. So, um, yeah, but uh, it's the same thing. If you get hot right around the playoffs in USL and, like, you're in a playoff spot or, like, close to a playoff spot, then, you know, it's fine. Red Bull 2. <laughs> Just kidding. They want everything ever. Um, yeah. Ryan, what else we got? I stated at the start of the show with the new conference alignment that St. Louis gets to rejoin our realm yeah. of discussion after a year-long hiatus in the western <sighs> portion of the league. How do you think they'll welcome do back. with this? Of course, welcome back. How do you think they'll do with their just new <laughs> entry into the conference? I need. Um, I need. All right, y'all. I didn't realize this until yesterday, but oh, Frankie no. is the coach of St. Louis. So yeah. when I was thinking about this before. I was like, oh, oh no. St. Louis, whatever. They don't. They don't matter. <laughs> oh. they, they've not got anything. And then it just dawned on me, kind of in a feverish nightmare, that Preki is in the Eastern Conference, and he is going to just cause havoc. Does the Eastern Conference of USL have, like, some of the best coaching in American soccer? They have to. Um, I mean, outside of Wolniak, I don't know. <laughs> what? <laughs> Meaning outside of Wolniak being a really good head coach, or, like... Yeah, like beyond everyone Wolniak. but Wolniak is a good coach because I'll I'll hmm. I'll be okay with either opinion. No, I think Wolniak was the only coach who's really shown himself. Oh, I that quality. Maybe not even like in terms of showing themselves, but just like on paper, the names that are in the Eastern Conference right now are are 
really, really good. Um, and not just, I mean, like, yeah, okay, John Harks is there, John Wolniak is there, uh, the two the two Johns, if, if you will. Uh, <laughs> Precky's there. Um, Ed Brandt is another really good, like, he's going to become a player in – in uh, in professional soccer, if his if his college career is anything to to go off of, um, for those of you who, who are not uh, familiar, uh, head coach of the Pittsburgh Riverhounds, all time winningest coach in in men's soccer history for the for Navy at least, if not entirety of Division One soccer, something stupid like that. Uh, just really really good. Um, he's gonna establish a, a a presence and a style around that club, um, like he did with Navy. Um, anyway, yeah, uh, in my head now I have Pittsburgh being like a weird sleeper to like do some really big things in the Eastern Conference and I don't like it. Um, <laughs> back to, to St. Louis FC, uh, now that I can talk about them, uh, have they always been partners with the Chicago Fire or am I just seeing that now for the first time? Uh, they had partners with them previously. Mike Great. McGee played a game for them. Right, right. Um, so that's going to be interesting because like the Fire are um well okay so they were a garbage fire <laughs> um i don't think dax mccarty is gonna solve all your problems but he's not gonna like it's a good move um no st louis will do well uh i, I think they were a playoff team or were, or were close to being a playoff team i'm sorry it's really hard to find 2016 stats for usl um it's really hard to find but yeah i mean on the... The... <laughs> Clarifying uh, the stats that the USL still has the last year's standings up. Other than that, you'd have to go to Wikipedia for all that. They uh, were they had 34 points in the Western Conference, which, I mean, the Western Conference top to bottom was really tough. I mean, minus Tulsa. Uh, but 34 <laughs> points was second to last in the Western Conference, whereas if we move them to the Eastern Conference, that'd be tied with my Wilmington Hammerheads at ninth, which would be just one spot outside the playoffs. So yeah, you could yeah. easily and that, see them. Go ahead. And and 7 through 10 in the East last year was not a sure thing until the end of the, the last week of the season. Um, so, yeah, I, listen, they'll come in. They'll, uh, they'll make an impact, uh, one that FC Montreal could not. And um, they him. will – Hey, they will be. Uh, I, no, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm really looking forward to seeing those guys play. Any any excuse I can get to see new clubs is always exciting for me. Um, I I think they're they're well run. They have exciting players. Uh, it, it'll it, it's gonna be uh, it'll be a good time, and uh, hopefully, there'll be some weird uh, rivalry between them and Cincinnati and and uh, Louisville just because they all want to go to MLS, but there's not gonna be enough room for all of them. And Don Garber will get to play Are You the One um, with those three clubs where they all go and party. And at the end of the night, they put their hand on a scanner. And if it's a match, then they all win like $100,000. But haha, joke's on you. Only one of them will win $100,000, and it'll be more money than that. And they'd still have to pay the rest of the MLS expansion fee. Yeah. Um, St. Louis had uh, some pretty streaky players last year. Uh, and I think Irvin Herrera is coming back. Um, he, he, I think he had like seven hat tricks, but then didn't score in any other games. Um, maybe that was just against Tulsa. Um, but <laughs> seven hat tricks in two games against Tulsa? Like, what are you? Uh, um, I'm not the math guy. I mean, he had 14 goals. That's that's fair. That's fair. That's like what two <laughs> goals a game, seven hat tricks in two games, right? That sounds about right. Um, they just signed Jose Angulo in the offseason. He was a standout for Pittsburgh. He, I think, was on Red Bull's MLS roster oh, many years ago, but has been with Fort Lauderdale Strikers. Um, so they have weapons. Um, they've made some other uh, really smart pickups on the defensive side in the offseason. Um, so I don't wanna... those weapons in... Precky's hands, I think, are more dangerous than those weapons in, in you know, pick a coach out of at random hands. So um, St. Louis is a little bit more worrisome for me than they were two days ago. Yeah, I don't want to concern anybody. Um, sorry, St. Louis fans. I know I just heaped a bunch of praise in your team. Uh, y'all, they only have like six players on their roster page. Um, <laughs> so uh, if they can, you know, get a get a whole team together, look out. <laughs> Uh, I mean, they should be fine. They have like a month and a half. Um, 
Yeah, uh, Ryan, do you have any uh, other experience with, with St. Louis other than them wrecking Tulsa every week? Um, not much other experience. I mean, I saw them play to a very exciting nil-nil draw when they were their one year in the Eastern Conference when they visited Wilmington. But outside that, it was just mainly watching them on YouTube and seeing Irvin Herrera scoring multiple goals that the USL made goals of the week. Someone's got to do it. <laughs> Ryan, you should, you should close this out now. Yeah, but that's pretty much else for the script. Guys, can we know where to find everyone on Twitter in case Louisville fans want to hurl anything at Brendan's direction? Uh, yeah, guys, um, hit me up on Twitter at Doherty Soccer. That's D-O-H-E-R-T-Y Soccer. Um, you know, positive or negative, I'm feeling feeling magnanimous this week. <laughs> uh, I I am also on the Twitter um, at Valella, which is V-I-L-L-E-L-L-A. That's the last name Ryan didn't want to say. It's V-I-L-L-E-L-L-A, and then the letter is B-S-F-C. It's for Bethlehem Steel Football Club until they uh, tell me to never come back. Or, uh, I don't know, I find a better club like uh, (laughs) nobody yet. Uh, Whatever. At Valella, V-I-L-L-E-L-L-A, B-S-F-C on Twitter. Um, Elsewhere, you can find me on none of the other sites. I don't like you guys that much. Um... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, uh, Louisville fans, feel free. I don't really have anything against your club. I just think it's funny that Brendan does. So if you want to talk about how weird it is, uh, send me a DM and we'll talk about it privately. Or don't. I don't know. Tweet at Brendan and then tweet at me. Uh, whichever one you want, really. It's no big deal. Um, Ryan, where can uh, people find you to tell you how much they're sorry that you don't have a team to follow this year until May? You can find me on Twitter with... <laughs> you can find me on Twitter with at ILM underscore Ryan. ILM's the airport abbreviation code for Wilmington if you have any questions concerns or condolences for losing a club <laughs> or having it moved down in the PDL send them my way love it hey Ryan but, you get to you get to tell people um, what they were just listening to which is weird because you think they would know by now uh, almost <laughs> what has this been god like 50 minutes yeah almost an hour in um and then, uh, and then you should tell them what network we're a part of, and then you should be like, hey, bye. So let's, let's try that. Of course. You guys have been listening to Eastern Conference Confidential. Ooh, I'm Brendan. Or I'm Ryan. That's Ooh, Brendan. All right. <laughs> <laughs> that was Brendan. I'm Ryan. Uh, and, and just talking, well, just laughing in the background was Evan. Uh, he's the one that lives in Rochester. Um, yes, yeah, so. Sorry, I'm Since Ryan. That's Brendan and Evan. We are on the nice. Beautiful Game Network. It's been a pleasure, guys. Take care, everybody. Thanks for hosting, Ryan. I know you had the notes and everything, but uh, yeah. <laughs> of course. Well